Welcome to the Abundant Edge Podcast. Here we dive deep into the worlds of permaculture, natural building, and regenerative living as we aspire to help you reach your highest potential for yourself, for your community, and for this beautiful planet that we all share. As always, I'm your host, Oliver Gaucher, and I have a great session for you in this week's episode, so let's jump right in. Are you looking for the best resources to help you build a regenerative lifestyle? New Society Publishers has been a leader in sustainable publishing for over 30 years. They publish good news and solutions for individuals and organizations seeking to change their lives so that they may change the world for the better. Their company mandate goes far beyond the single bottom line of profit. They care deeply not only about what they publish, but also how they do business. They believe in the authors that they take on and the works that they bring to the marketplace. From sustainable living to progressive parenting, New Society Publishers has the books you need to help build a better world. Buy your print and ebooks online at www.newsociety.com or at fine bookstores near you. Have you been researching and learning about regenerative living, permaculture, and natural building for a while, but are still a bit unsure of where to start? Are you new to these topics and feeling overwhelmed about the sheer scope of information and knowledge that's out there to be absorbed? Are you a seasoned professional in the field looking to expand your experience and expertise with other professionals who are pushing the boundaries of regenerative projects? Well, you're in luck. Here at Abundant Edge, we have just what you need to take the next essential steps towards putting the information from these podcasts, interviews, books, and articles into action. We offer courses for beginners, intermediates, and even seasoned professionals to learn from successful regenerative business owners, farmers, builders, and other artisans who are keen to share their knowledge. Our teachers and facilitators have been working and experimenting tirelessly to provide the most up-to-date information available to help you put your skills and efforts to use in regenerating the planet and transforming the global economy into one that abandons the outdated model of consumption and destruction into one of health, stewardship, cooperation, and abundance. Come and get your hands dirty. You can get a full list of courses and trainings as well as volunteer opportunities now at AbundantEdge.com. We're looking forward to seeing you here. All right, welcome everybody. This is the last regenerative roundtable of season two, and we're going to be. Hey! Con- <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I can see how excited you guys were to get started today. Actually, we're recording this in the morning, which normally record them in the evenings at the end of the day. So there's a lot going on. You might hear the goats chime in from the side, and uh, coffee's being processed, and all sorts of. Ambient, yeah, a lot of farm, ambient, ambient noise. farm noise. Yeah, yeah it's going to be very, um, very quaint. It's, it's the soundtrack of our lives, so I think you guys should. Uh, yeah, get used to what it what it sounds like around here. But more than anything, we're going to be recapping the year because this marks almost exactly one year since we came together as a team and really started to develop this site. Uh, it was literally on on New Year's Eve last year that uh that jeremy got back from the states neil got back with his parents from a little vacation up in belize and though we had done a little bit on the site we terraced out a few places and planted some salads we really hadn't done much as far as a concerted effort and really working on like the holistic design for this place so let's talk about some of the biggest uh sort of enterprises and and efforts that we've managed to at least get started if not perfect this year all right, well, we still don't have um, a round table for this regenerative round table. Like to round out this regenerative round table. Uh, this is on a stool know, right now. It's a stool. It's a regenerative stool. Stool. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Can we edit that out, Oliver? That's deep. Yeah. <laughs> That's deep. You know how I edit all of these things you say. Um, We're all about regenerative stool. So, yeah, we still don't have a table for the regenerative round table. Uh, so, that's disappointing, I think. Yeah, it would have been kind of cool if someone thought to about it. Make, a make a table. table. Someone that makes furniture. Yeah, somebody who knows what we're building, maybe. We're still cooking in the bodega. I'm working on your bathroom behind the house, so pipe down. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if someone wants to come and help us make a table, that would be sweet. We've actually got some people already. Anyways. Um, well, let's focus first on, on how much help we've gotten this year, because though... You know, as white males, we like to toot our own horns all the time about how much we're accomplishing. None of this has been possible without our local staff, without the volunteers and apprentices who have come out here to give a hand. And, you know, occasionally even some of the work that gets done through courses. 
what has been well let's talk about the dynamics of each one because finding regular staff around here has been really the the cornerstone of everything we've been able to yeah, accomplish without, without our without the people that we found that we were so lucky with the with the people we found um we have our full-time who's now our farm manager nicolas uh a guy in his a local guy in his early 40s he's just a a great guy, just so dependable, such a nice guy, a family man. He brings his family up here on the weekends a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, man, his little kids are so cute. Yeah, he's he's great. Uh, and then our two interns, Ricardo and Miguel, have been like superstars for us. Yeah. Totally outperforming expectations. Yeah. Like They didn't need to do half of what they basically just put on themselves and, and committed themselves to. This is really what you could you could only hope for with a learning program like this of someone who kind of takes responsibility and and advances not only what you know we're willing to teach them but what they want to learn in time as well. Yeah, they create their own narrative for the landscape and um, yeah. I think it, it emerged on its own the sort of like this archetypes that each of them has sort of like filled in yeah. terms of like you know we have um, our youngest we have you know mid adolescence yeah. you know we've got early adolescence mid adolescence Maria, who is like you in know, in her mid twenties. Maria's been been absolutely. She's a, she's a rock star. Um, yeah, she's our neighbor. She came up here when we were just starting. We just had the bodega and a little garden, and she was like big old just, smiles and big just, old smiles, and just came up and was hanging out and was like, "Okay, you guys need a, you guys need to take me. You do." She basically <laughs> said, "You guys need to give me a yeah, job." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she wasn't wrong. Um, yeah, she wasn't at all determined. That's just what we like from and you know. We, we took her on and the first thing she started doing was we, we trained her to make the, the cheeses and the yogurt for, mm-hmm. the, for the lactios, which was just so important to the smooth running of that operation. Because that's what we're always talking about is like when you start an enterprise like that, uh, it's like turning on a faucet that you can't just turn off and you have to deal with what yeah. comes out of that it That was one of time. our first themes that we noticed here. Yeah. This sort of like open faucet. Yeah, and um, I think a big thing that I learned from Shad in Atitlan Organics was that like a a product isn't finished when it's like grown or produced. It's finished when it's like on a shelf or with a label on it, you know. And fairly automated too because if, automated, yeah. if that's something that you're just doing sporadically and when you have time and fit it into other things, you can't. that's you can't, not a sustainable enterprise account, either. You can't count on that. No, no it becomes really unreliable. Essentially, I think all of us are... All of us are similar in a sense in that we're all very hardworking, but we're definitely all in the kind of innovator bracket. None of us, I notice, like to do repetitive jobs over and over again. Yeah, even though I can did be tough sometimes working on farms and, and yeah. other things. Like when I was working on other people's farms, I loved being like the one in charge of the goats or the one in yep. charge. But but we've moved we moved to another we've entered a threshold by by starting this property of of being the ones the innovators that get something going do it a bunch of times or do it enough times to be able to pass to it understand on. the process but yeah we did all come from that background of working as grunts in various different positions yeah, so having it's like all, almost now our job is to be like one step ahead of the team like yeah what i'm really like getting going yep. on what me and jared have been focusing a lot on is Jensen. like the nursery and uh um, and the composting system, you know, really getting that one like, dialed in. in and functioning. So again, it can be eventually sort of like automated and handed off. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that I think just yeah, having having the, the that local building that local team for me is like the most exciting thing we've done because I think I can really see Ricardo and Miguel are two young interns becoming real uh, kind of leaders, They're innovators in their own in in in, in this community yeah. you know, and in their own so that to me is super exciting seeing how they've both done uh, Oliver's natural building course our intro to permaculture course we've I've talked to them and I've uh, got both of them secured on scholarships to take EMAPS Spanish permaculture design course uh, in a year about a year from now uh, when they're a little bit older and they're like I've talked to I've talked to Ricardo's parents about it they don't want him going over until he's like kind of 15 or 16 yeah uh, but they're going to go over and they're going to rock that course you know, it's like, so easy to forget how young these guys are they yeah, work like so men and, but they're so accomplished now yeah you know? they're like competent carpenters bam- bamboo workers they can uh, do animal management produce you know and really they can good think quality. on their own which is they can uh, think on their own that's been like 
very impressive for me to see that. Mm-hmm. You know? Do their almost, own troubleshooting. Annoying sometimes. Because... Yeah, like a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> when they're telling us what to do, and I'm like, wait a minute. Wait. Okay, you're right, but <laughs> I'm the one making the decisions here, buddy. All right, you need to pass that by me first. Yeah. So yeah, what I like to do is listen to their ideas and then rehash them and pretend that they were mine. And, and yeah, yeah. Back to everyone. That's totally. yeah. really what the art of management is. <laughs> yeah, micro <laughs> nailed it. Micromanaging is the opposite. You're like not taking advantage of. Well, they love it. They love what I've noticed with them is they love when we have like certain problems to solve like when we got more goats and the herd was getting kind of almost verging on going out of hand they really appreciate like if you sit down with them and have like a little bit of a meeting to like how do we solve this problem yeah they we, come up with great ideas yeah, yeah. all we have to do is present the the, the, the issue problem. whatever you want to call it and um and they're just like, boom, they just get right on it. It's like, it's a, I really think it comes down to just blocks. asking the right questions. That's right. And like if anything. they learn how to ask better questions, the solutions that they're going to come up with are going to be more holistic, more nuanced, that's and take in can, the full picture. That's the best thing we can do for them. Right. It's not really about and telling us. them. Yeah. And it's the best thing we can do for, for us. Yeah. Like to, Any to, learning process is about asking the right questions. creative license, I think. Nobody, everybody hates being in a job where you're, where you never get asked your opinion yeah, yeah just an yeah. ant person yeah. <laughs> that's awesome and, and, you know it's definitely the way a lot of um it's it's sad but it's definitely the way a lot of mayan people get treated in this country yeah, it's a narrative just, that we really need to like just labor you know yeah all around the developing that. world and and certain countries that have been marginalized for yeah. there's a lot of under uncomfortable sort of connotations there mm-hmm. um, yeah, so socially there's that, yeah there's all these social dynamics that that need to be taken into account but i think i think for me i think i like the way it's evolving here where we especially we've got these like, mix of of uh, generations of, of local people working on our land. Mm-hmm. It creates um, stability that we need. Creates stability and it also creates like a nice kind of family dynamic, I feel, on the farm. Yeah. Um, like we said, lessons, <laughs> it's been fun also to see how. Oh, yeah, that's been going had, well lately. You know, we've had a, a steady stream of volunteers and luckily, like, some just great characters who've been happy to, like, volunteer in the morning and then two or three afternoons a week after lunch sit down and do English classes with um, it was originally just that was like a, a really nice thing to see like it was supposed to just be an initiative for the uh, for Ricardo and Miguel our two mm-hmm. young interns but then you know Maria said she wanted to start learning and Nicolas started to show an interest they didn't want to do it they didn't want to be sitting taking classes while Nicolas was, was working and they more or less insisted that he be uh he be involved in lessons as well and i didn't think he would be interested honestly that was kind of my own like prejudice coming through yeah sense, that was you know? our that was our preconditioning but right actually of course nicholas was like delighted to to be given the chance to, to sit in on these english classes and i can see it you know they're start they're like coming out with phrases now because mm-hmm. they're already bilingual that's the great thing about the people here they already have like uh, yeah, catch a kill and Spanish, uh-huh. and so their their brains are already conditioned to to learn to being able to learn a language. So it's been it's been good to see, you know. Yeah, and we just kind of like mix all the languages together when we talk, and yeah, <laughs> our catch a kill is like I would who has been, we're like our same, catch a kill and their, their English, English is about the same. Yeah, we've got a couple of phrases at this point. I don't understand the grammar to save my life. <laughs> no. Yeah. And I don't think I can make all of those glittural sounds uh, and those language sharp hits. Our tongues and throats. It is, not. but it's a cool challenge. I'm definitely looking forward to like making a little bit more of an effort at it in the upcoming years. Yeah, we. It's important. Yeah, know, I think being in a place like this is important to make some effort. To- and it's amazing how the response changes if you even just learn a couple of phrases. They don't really expect you to learn the whole thing no. because there's. I mean, unless you really spend a lot of time with local families or people who don't speak Spanish, you always just default to the language that's easiest for everyone to communicate right. in. And and though the level of Spanish here is not particularly high, it's still a lot better than like the English background. It's definitely decent with the younger generation, the level yeah. of Spanish decent with the younger generation. It's quite basic. One of the definitely the realizations I have is that like being in Guatemala you have to have like two versions of Spanish. Yeah. The Spanish that at you least. speak with, with the Capitalinos. <laughs> yeah. At least you know, yeah. you're like 
but you know, you have the kind of like Spanish that you speak with the the capitalinos, which would be and the tourists that come through, yeah. Um, and then the Spanish you speak with the locals, it, it it tends to be easier for communication if you like if you simplify it. Yeah, very much that, so. Like using the subjunctive. It was the same for me. Things just doesn't really get understood. Well, it was the same for me when I was working in Africa and I was trying to get by in French. I got to a couple of, uh, well, I got to a level towards the end where my French was a little bit better than a lot of the locals that worked with me. And at a certain point, advancing in that is not in your interest. It actually makes it harder to communicate. And so, like, learning to communicate is not always just about improving the technical ability in a language. It's understanding how the other person is responding to the way you're talking. How does it function in the context? Right. We're kind of lucky here because we have, like, we have Carla, Jared's partner, who's a native Spanish speaker from Spain, and mm-hmm. Rihanna, my partner, is native. Actually, Spanish it's her second Colombia. language. Yeah, it's Carla's yeah. second language yes. as well. Yeah, yeah she so, started with Catalan. Yeah, there's definitely it's kind of like a impromptu sort of linguistics uh, <laughs> yeah. thing. That's it makes for a constantly well. interesting dynamic, and I really hope at some point to be putting out some more content in Spanish. Um, we're at the level where we could, and certainly we can have it overlooked by Adriana and Carla to make sure we haven't screwed up too badly, but just it's just a matter one, Yeah, once again, like all these, all these social or invisible structures aren't really planned, but they emerge from interesting sort of like, I would consider design foundations in a sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Who knows how it actually happens, but it's great. And well, you know, you always you said a thing to me that you use a phrase that I like a lot. That's kind of like stuck into my lexicon now, which is like emergent properties. Yeah. yeah. You always thought. I think you have like a very, Jerem talking to here, folks. Uh, like a very ecological perspective. I find on everything, and like, it was you who said to me before that, like, you know, a harmonious uh, social. Or community is actually an emergent property of like a harmonious ecosystem yeah mm. and you can't do it the other way around which is what we see like a lot of ngos yeah. trying to do here is like oh how can we like change the culture and make it more progressive and it will say like, well, yeah it's... change the ecology in which the culture is situated mm-hmm. actually what you start and then and then you let yeah. you don't you can't yeah. control how a culture turns out or uh, no. and, uh, we've seen from history attempts to do that <laughs> yeah, yeah tend not to go that it, well yeah. <laughs> uh, yes um, they don't go down well in the history books um, no. but doing it on a small scale you know like regenerating a piece of land like we're doing here and and, and letting this kind of like set the foundation for how we and now that we you advance. also realize there's a very limited amount of control that you have over it. It's like a kind of organic thing. You can put yeah. an, intention, an intention behind mm-hmm. it, but that's that's all really. And with that perspective, you continue to learn as different properties emerge, as we we're talking about, like very unexpected things come out. And if, it, if they come out of a healthy foundation, they tend to be really good learning opportunities. Yeah. They tend to be things that you want to consider the next time you interact with an ecosystem, whether it's a social uh, community ecosystem or an environmental one. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I think so much more of my design is like something we always talk about in the permaculture courses that like design is this circular process, you know, that you like, you know, you do your, your site analysis, you express your goals and you try and find convergence between those two things. And then you start with like, a broad scheme, a kind of broad schematics design. Usually having to do with earthworks and, and various sort yeah, of and how water non-living. Was the but then it, after that, it's just this continual process of like act, observe, react, change. And it's it's really, really continual and, and really beautiful. And it, I think it like it's an interesting one as a designer because I'm becoming less and less interested in designing sites that I can't also be there to manage to, or, yeah, or to interact with, or to interact right, with you know? right. because it's like anything that you put in place and leave you're breaking the cycle yeah it's, it's a little bit different with the with the with the buildings you know their definitely. Like, very cold calculated planning is definitely like really important but, with these but I'm constantly pushing with that as well to be involved in the renovation in the maintenance process to see how they evolve with the way that they're interacted with yeah and that's something that I've really worked on this this last year in being on site for long periods of time with clients. Yeah, it's and that it's that turnkey from object to There is an evolution even with inanimate structures. Uh, yeah. 
especially if you've done some of the foundational work to integrate them into the landscape and consider the fourth element, which is always time and how long they're going to be there, how they need to be maintained and upkept in order for them to sort of fulfill their lifespan. But also at the end of it, how do they go back into the earth? Do they become a pile of trash? Can they be renovated so that the base of the structure is still useful? And maybe some of the elements are either transformed or redone or yeah. added onto. Design and for looking, adaptation. Exactly. And in that way, it can become more of a living structure, but it does uh, require constant interaction, observation, and the consideration of the time frame. As yeah, well. there's, subject, there's subjective elements to any design, even non-living ones. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the one thing that people look past is that sort of... Well, especially in building, yeah. Because you think, you know, okay, I've built it. Uh, the whole goal is to just make sure it doesn't fall apart too fast, but yeah. it obviously it will at some point. And then consider an entirely new structure or a full rebuild when it does fall yeah. apart. Yeah. And adding in and other considerations and looking at deeper interactions and time frames within that has really opened my eyes to like, Especially working with a lot of uh, environmentally conscious clients who are working on a limited budget, showing them how they can design for abundance way off into the future and reverse engineer that in order to put in the first key components so that they can uh, be there more often, so that they can be interacting and working with it as co-creators and add on, renovate, expand in a conscious way that, that works towards that overall goal rather than these kind of sporadic add-ons that people tend to yeah. do when they suddenly get another injection of cash right. and you work towards yeah. this goal that maybe you didn't have, very reactionary, <laughs> and you end up with a very sporadic, disconnected piece of property if it hasn't had a vision guiding it from the beginning. Right. right. You go to the very end and then you move right back to where you are yes. in the present moment mm-hmm. constantly. Yeah. Which is fun because you get to start by dreaming really big. Uh, you can imagine what the full potential of a site might be in 10, 15, 20 years. I don't encourage people looking much further than that, be- not because it's not useful, but because it can get really overwhelming and it causes them to think, oh man, I'll, I'll never get to that point. It's, I mean, humans have kind of an innate difficulty in seeing time frames past certain, certain lengths. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I know I struggle with it, yeah. but... Or being the- stuck in one time frame like you're not looking at you they're not looking at this moment now and you're just too far ahead of yourself well and thinking that you're still gonna have the same opinions or the same perspective on things at that point yeah and then also it's like it's kind of getting back to what i was talking about this morning before we started this with with a lot of these design things it's just it it really is a case of just just starting you know like been interesting having like um <laughs> that's, chewy here that's neil that's the neil that perspective. sums his neil, archetype that sums just neil of just go. do it and like actually a lot it jer especially is great for like slowing me down and making me think about like a little bit more i'm that guy too but you're more that guy so <laughs> right. i have to be the other <laughs> the dude other dude and i'm on the far end of that spectrum where i like to plan and organize and right. prepare for as much as possible so that when we do start taking action it flows really you know, smoothly we, with the goats for example it was just like shad was like okay dude i, I want to like you know I, I think it'd be great if you took my goats i, mm-hmm. I, I kind of can't keep and them goes, yes. and i was just like yeah i'll take them <laughs> yeah you know and then, and then we ended up in a reactionary like, mode for <laughs> months after but that. it worked because slowly a great design for the goat house evolved yeah. out of that like impetus but the like, point being is that there are multiple ways to accomplish that same thing and no one of them is wrong well no but you need to already, be aware of the already, steps you're gonna we had already thought of like the animal system in general we just didn't think it was gonna happen so quickly as it did but what it what it does is it it's so valuable because what I what I'm really seeing with farming now is that it's like a merry-go-round because even though we have like a permanent growing season here it is quite marked between dry season wet season dry season and you know and tourist high season low season right. so you know like with our with the goats for example a couple of them got they we got them and they were pregnant and they gave birth in the middle of the low season, the rainy season, when it was like quite hard and challenging to shift all those products. Mm-hmm. We did manage it. And to maintain up. their health sometimes too. 
Well, that reactionary thing around the back where there was water getting into the pen, right? I you know, especially a, with new babies. Yeah, that was a sli- we had a slight design flaw with the house, but that wasn't too challenging. But the more challenging thing was to deal with all this massive surplus of milk that we had in 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 low season here for tourism. So the restaurants and, and stores just weren't buying that much. Then it. Two of them got pregnant by mistake, uh, <laughs> which can happen really easily with goats, FYI. And so the, their milk production started to drop off. Right when we needed it. And then just when all the tourists came back, and suddenly all the stores and restaurants that had kept us going during the low season all quadrupled their orders, and our our production, our production dropped did. by like 20 or 30%. Yeah, yeah. It's a big um, And so now it's like, you see, it's like this merry-go-round, because now the challenge is, okay... I want to, we want to like take some of the really good females that are like reaching a year old now and, and ready to be pregnant, take the good females that we have, get them all pregnant with a good male at the right time this time so that they're pregnant during the rainy season when there's actually an excess of a huge excess of like forage so they can like really um, uh, feed well their like their, their babies and have them like give birth in, in October so that we've got like this flush of, of milk and production coming in but it is it's like and it you, works you with miss the rain. that go around once you miss that yeah that it's you only got like one chance to get the right mail in at the right yeah. time having to, and it's like but it makes and it, if you miss it it's like Whoa, it takes a long time, time to come back around a year to go yeah. back around and it was like the same with the with the corn this year like i think we planted it like a couple of weeks too late uh, and then also planted the pole beans a little bit late, so like we definitely like lost a little bit of. Still, was a nice. We still had like a nice milpa system and produce a lot of food from it. But it's like I, I know you can the see how those I windows made, are. It's key. like oh, I gotta wait for that yeah. one to come around again in 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 April and be ready. And so right. it's like a lot of the. That's what I mean about a lot of these things. It's really worth just like getting the basics in place, starting. And then, like, starting the process of, like, mm-hmm. accepting feedback and yeah. and, and, and changing your design as you go. You you know? can, it's, you like, can... one of the best things. When I did this interview with um, with Alex from Kuoba, which is, a, who's, like, the, you know, it's, I think the podcast called The Best Permaculturist You've Never Heard Of. I mean, this yeah. guy's been, like, doing high-end organic farming in Antigua, for, in Antigua, Guatemala, for, like, 15 years. Mm-hmm. He didn't know anything about farming. You know, he got back having studied business realized that he couldn't get nice lettuce anywhere and he dug up a piece of ground and started planting lettuce you know and like 15 years later he you know slowly noticed oh I don't, you can't get lettuce seeds either and nobody has arugula and nobody has tomatoes and i'll plant these he as just well. found all the niches in the just, market he just found niches found a way of doing it and now he produces all of his own seed all of his own fertility has this amazing diverse kind of regenerative farm that you know yeah. is just he's killing it you know but yeah it, he's he just started with with the little bit he knew and the little bit <laughs> that he could do and and kept doing that just kept taking in feedback and 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 advancing and evolving and i think it's there's so much to be said for <laughs> there's so much to be said for that mindset as long as it's balanced with you know the other side that plans things out somewhat as well <laughs> yeah totally and i'm sure he came along with uh, a lot of the same struggles that we've done here in this first year is it's really easy to plant and grow lettuce uh-huh. it's a whole different thing to find a market that will buy it from you when it's fresh when it's available and to keep the production consistent so that you can have a reliable business model that restaurants and and buyers can count on that's really where the intricacy of running it as a business comes in otherwise you're just hobby gardening and there's nothing wrong with that but if you want to make this a profitable thing and make it part of your livelihood i mean it's one those other considerations are key we hobby garden because the farm because only have so many centerpieces right right and ours is kind of turning into fertility coffee um eggs from our chickens and, and the dairy, and dairy products. products you know yep. those are like the kind of center and it, you can't because only and we do have a nice big garden space and it produces a lot of food but yep. we just decided it was easier to make that really diverse make it feed us and our volunteers and our workers and be a really good example of like a resilient garden that we use as experimentation yeah, to figure out what can do really well here yeah. what can do well with lower maintenance what 
produces better in different seasons. Like yeah. it's a research garden as much as anything right, right now. Yeah, yeah. It, has, it fulfills many different roles. Whereas if it was just um, for production's sake, for selling, it would just pretty much only do that. Well, you limit your diversity. It's it's kind of the difference in permaculture zones. I think between a zone two and a zone three. Yeah, yeah. our garden is a is a good example. I think of a zone two garden. Yeah, we've got some fast crops in there like our like our greens our lettuces our arugula we've got a lot of slower crops in there like vegetables it's a mix of and, zone and one and zone, zone two but it's, a zone say. three is like a, someone asked me that someone was like oh so is a garden is always a zone two in a course race now saying well not necessarily because if, if it's a market garden where you're churning out you know a hundred pounds of of microgreens or or you know like baby small um what do you call them tender greens mm-hmm that's more like a zone three you there's know, a big like, distinction there's actually i would actually say it's more like a zone one it goes more with the amount that you interact with it and well the amount of time that you spend on well, it well there's zone three it's like if it's commercial it's a commercial zone then you invest in a commercial zone you invest in in efficiency you know yeah, so it's like try to make you're it. doing you're you know like like alex has in cooper farms those that's like a zone three it's diversity is limited so you pick like your four or five crops that do really well plant and pick um you know drip tape investing in like really investing in efficiency and and a kind of a system is really important when you get into your zone three commercial that's where you scale it as well most people think of i think in large in permaculture like your agroforestry or your silvopasture being your zone three but it's the same thing it's a commercial zone it's like a a good agroforestry system i think is like a guild between two or three perennial yeah. crops and, and you're a, probably and animals, you you're know? probably putting in just as much time though an intensive annual zone three would be a smaller scale with as much time as an agroforestry which is a larger scale or perhaps grain production or grain production or pasture yeah right etc those things are larger but you're still like managing it as, as much as possible and you cut you do cut down in your diversity when you get into that zone three commercial thing you know? right it's like there's only like our friend lorenzo's that uh, paradox of efficiency and diversity you know That's it's right. like it really needs to get fleshed out his his agroforestry system is super stable because he has lines of cardamom uh contour plantings of hardwood trees and cacao and that's like a really beneficial polyculture but it's not that diverse you know yeah. whereas his like kind of a uh, tropical fruit orchard which is more of like a pastime where he has his mangoes and his lychees and his rambutans and yeah all those amazing tropical fruits that's more like grazing animals it's a great zone too that's actually. a great zone too kind of perennial garden that he has but it's very it's it's smaller and it's very different to his like large-scale thousand acre commercial zone you know i would not consider that uh, the our our kitchen garden is not a zone too our zone two is zone twos have uh, like more trees mixed in. Like that's our kitchen garden, right? So I would consider it actually a zone one. I've always yeah. considered that in the in the parcel down below and the rows of perennials in between. That's like our mixing of zone two into our zone one. Because yeah, zone mm-hmm. twos are usually more perennial, but higher maintenance and high diversity. Right. right? And I do. I I always well in my mind a zone one and zone two blend a little bit. You know, like they can, but you got to make sure that that's primarily zone one and it has to do with the amount of maintenance and interaction that's right and how much we're taking out of it constantly how much we're putting in right whereas zone two is like we're definitely mulching and etc but we're not like we're not harvesting necessarily every day from it right so zone one zone two do there's like a gray area in between them or whatever but there's i think that there should be that you need perennial alleys in any system and our Mm -hmm. garden has that our garden has a lot of like a lot of perennial um, but we got, plants in it. Yeah, we we we. I think we can we can be clear in the fact that like the main zone two is actually the parcel down below it. That's like pure zone two actually going on, which there. would be like a a really diverse kind of forest. Food garden. forests are generally zone twos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's because we're like, not going for efficiency in that. A food forest to me is different to an agroforestry system. Right? Absolutely, it's yeah. a zone two version of. Of maybe an agroforestry managing perennials, yeah. yeah, yeah, and um, we haven't implemented that. We've started some of the earthwork, but that's one of the things I'm really excited for. Now, in a sense, it's like a uh, 
we got a little bit of a race against the clock because we got to maintain all the stuff that we have, finish the house, but we also want to have our earthworks done on that lower down section so that, so that we can start planting plant perennial stuff in, yeah, in the rainy season. We seasons. do have a timeline going there, yeah, um, which we're a little bit behind on. Well, the same with the house too. That's what I'm trying to stay on top of. Yep, We've yeah, got there's... it down to the point where we're all moved in, we're all living comfortably, but now we want more of our functions to be centered around uh, our zone zero rather than having to go out to the bodega to, to, oh, to prepare food and to eat and go off like slightly off site to the dry toilet and to the outdoor shower. Yeah, we don't and as that. we move those in closer to the nucleus of our site, yeah. so it's just going to be a lot, uh, more a lot more comfortable, a lot more just have, like, easy, convenient over here, you know, like herb gardens all over this area. Yeah. Just like, yeah. The culinary and the medicinal right stuff over here, the like flowers and the construction zone. Yeah. yeah. And it, that's why it's nice as well that we have the team taking care of the daily responsibilities of the farm. So right. we're free to like work on our house, do some be, development yeah. projects, not just maintenance. Yeah. And, and, and be in the garden experimenting and right. just like trying out new things all the mm-hmm. time. Again, that's like just, so, I think, so important for yep. just for us. <laughs> it really is. It really has been. So where are we starting to move in the next season? What can people start uh, to expect from the regenerative roundtables in the upcoming season and some of the projects that we're intending to spearhead and well, hopefully make some... Hopefully the next time we do this, we'll actually have a round table that we can sit. That we can sit. I, uh, like I want to put table. that forth. <laughs> that we actually have a table at all. Uh, we don't have any tables. No, oh, yeah, we we're tableless. We're we have totally no yeah. tables. It's not even like we work took tables. A, a firm stance on it. <laughs> no, no tables. We will have no tables. An embargo here. on you tables. Put your plate on your lap and you eat it kind of like with a fork if you're feeling fancy or just like put your Shovel. face in it. Or, yeah. Be humble, yeah. right? <laughs> you don't need tables. We have no room. Tables. We have no room for that kind of ego display. Uh, so yeah, maybe getting, but you know, maybe we're, maybe we're evolving. Maybe Are we're we ready moving for to that level? I think or we're ready for let's this? just abandon it entirely. From now on, we sit on the floor. We do everything Japanese style. I don't have to... And have a single plate in the middle. pointy kneecaps. <laughs> my partner, Adriana, is doing a Vipassana meditation uh, this week, which I would have loved to have done, but I couldn't in the end for two reasons. One was that I think we're too busy here, so I wouldn't have been able to meditate. <laughs> oh, my God. You would have just losing your mind. You would have like, pulled your hair out yeah. when you were supposed to be relaxing. And, and I would have just been sitting there saying om but thinking of all the things that we had to do on the farm it's more like oh god (laughs) oh my god um and then the other one was i'm just like so too inflexible i think to sit lotus style for a long yeah you probably would have broke your lower back your whole body would just be shaking it would have just been horrible you'd be like sweating like trying to do it um yeah yeah, you gotta work up to being able to sit quietly for <laughs> 10 days oh my god jesus i don't think let's i could do it for it. one day let's work on let's that. work on it i'm gonna do one of these things and i'll i'll, I'll tell you guys how, how it goes yeah i'm excited to see this i'll one. do one one day too it's but very interesting to me it's, <laughs> it's kind of on the horizon it's all, not we that should close probably all do it I, I think the three of us could all i think we should all do it but not together because no, that we would, be, that would be horrible that, well that would be horrible for this place not to have anybody here that too um, that too and I think that's a that's an interesting thing that I, I like this idea though because like just to round out this round out of a round out, um, <laughs> so meta. Yeah, <laughs> I think like in terms of like how we talked about this idea of like things emerging now, we're seeing it around us, right? And where did it all begin, right? It began with, and I think Neil, you did a really good job of this when we all got together. Was like, let's we're creating a story here. And let's let's start the conversation now and in a sacred I mean it sounds kind of like hippie, but in a sacred kind of space. We're usually a little too sarcastic to do that, but it's 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 real, you know? Yeah, and yeah I was I, I was glad we did that and I you know, it's good to like leave your cynicism aside and be honest about the type of intention. Or be that serious you're for in. a minute. I look yeah. forward to doing something like that again this upcoming New Year's because that was the last time we really got together and sort of made yeah. a commitment to this being let's a, do it. a project that we're into, but also working as a family, as a family not yeah, just as co-conspirators and, and yeah, a company and, and business partners, right? Kind of actually, yeah. but, you know, because for me, reaffirming actually, to the larger relationship that's building, running, we are trying to run this like a business, but absolutely with a, with a strong like why mm-hmm. and purpose around what we're doing it's not just about having a profitable farm it's about yeah trying to develop 
uh, what we see as like a regenerative life that brings opportunities for others. And, and exemplify and some of these ethics, even if they're the not the most convenient or easy way to go. For one thing, we don't throw a bunch of chemicals on our garden. We also didn't use any cement in our buildings. These are things that could have made the process either simpler or cheaper faster. or faster, one or the other. Um, but there's a larger ethic that we're trying to exemplify. Yeah. And, you know, they talk about be the change you want to see. We can't go around talking about and teaching permaculture ethics and design criteria if we're not putting ourselves through the same criteria and yeah. holding ourselves to a standard that we want to promote. And we don't. And it's also important to me that the farm be, uh, be able to stand on its own two feet. You know? Absolutely. Like, we definitely... It's not subsidized by other support things. support ourselves uh, to an extent teaching and, and, and consulting and designing, but... I didn't. I I think we were all agreed on that. None of us wanted to have this kind of like sort of showcase that was just really, you know, propped up, like propped up by by teaching courses, right? For example, yeah. You know, because that's to me that's a bit of a, a kind of a pyramid scheme. It's like, oh yeah, start your permaculture uh, center and you can teach courses and, and make money on that and say, well, everyone can't do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And this structure emerges really easily from not having a clear, um, goal set of goals. Right. Yeah. I see it all the it. time. It's like, these no one really, I don't think anyone really decides that this is like, I want to have a demonstration boutique, nothing happening really farm. Right. No one wants that, but it happens. But all it happens the, because goals aren't like properly expressed. And I think there's also sometimes a little bit of a misunderstanding of how how um, labor intensive some of these systems are, you know. So it's like that's what it is. I think it, people get into it with a lot of idealism. Yeah. And you know, until you work the land practically, all of us have worked on commercial farms before this, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. There has um, definitely been a, a, a lead up to this. The singularity, I'll call it, of like us coming together and like <laughs> it's exploding from it a lot uh, led up to it, at least for my life. Right? Yeah, I mean, I worked in commercial farms and commercial construction sites for many, many years before I got into natural building and permaculture. And one of the things that I think is too often thrown away is this idea that, well, because we're trying to do something fundamentally different from either of those, you know, industries, that we just throw out everything, throw the right. baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Whereas there's a lot to be learned from the efficiency of those systems, yeah, the business models, and, you know, the way that they prepare, manage, and track progress yeah. that is totally worth keeping. Absolutely. And then just changing the goals and and the ethics behind it can transform the way it interacts with the environment, the ecology, and the community. But definitely not getting rid of all of the things that have caused those enterprises to be so successful and dominant yeah yeah yeah. to work it's all there is definitely a sense i think in the permaculture community that kind of money and business is like a dirty word but right for me actually understanding it and, and using that energy and seeing it as a tool is very important right i guess like integration is i suppose what the key is here uh, we kind of talked about a little bit about that a tight web yeah, that I mean, because you know, integrating in a sense the the business, um, good good business practices with um, kind of good, almost like heart centered Sensibility. sensibilities. You know, I think that's like really important, and it's good that we're having this chat now as well because it does make me think that like the the check ins and the intention setting and almost the the. Yeah. Um, kind of like connecting to like the larger purpose of mm -hmm. what you're doing, what you're doing. Just, I think that's... just, just touching back on it. Just yeah. Like, listen, wait, this is guys, let's, let's think about how we started this. We're yeah. still there. I got this, a little, this teary, is us. I got a little teary the other day before I was leaving when I was like, you know, when we were giving the Christmas bonus to our workers and I was thanking them all. Oh and yeah. It was actually a really good thing for me to do. Cause I suddenly started to go like, Oh my God, we've done so much in the last year. We've built a house. Yep. We started a farm that was, nothing here a year ago this is a coffee plantation and now we have people showing up for tours uh you know a couple of times a week um, yeah. it's it's actually mind-blowing but it is because mind of the nature of me and who i am and i think all of us and <laughs> all of us yeah there's this constant tendency to be like looking at things that need to improve and kind of like sort of stressing yeah. out a little bit about oh i'm i'm the worst about it like especially because 
this has not developed as fast as maybe we would have envisioned from the beginning. Not the whole thing, but aspects of it. You know, I had a, uh, a much shorter timeline for the house, but a lot of other priorities came up and funding issues came up. And maybe we just had to decide to put like, a few right, things we're doing around. This, now. this has to happen. This has to happen. And you weren't I'm wrong. Sold. This is why we make decisions as a group. It's like, no, you're right. That does take precedent right now. And frankly, the house is by far the most expensive endeavor on this place. And it's also the one that is making the least amount of return or income aside from the comfort and uh, the security that it gives us. Which has its own. Which definitely has a lot of value, but it's not sort of paying back monetarily yet. We actually have to be gone and renting it out for that to happen. And we're not at that point. Yeah, I mean, we're we're pretty based around here, right? We don't need ivory towers. We need to be like on the ground here as well. Yeah, and I mean, that's just one of those things that has come up, but... You know, because we're in it all the time, it's very difficult to see how far we've come in a year. And quite frankly, bringing in the perspectives from outside through the farm tours, through the volunteers who come and give us uh, basically their opinion, their perspective on like, wow, I can't believe you did this in just a year. You got to take those wins too. Otherwise, you just mire yourself in this constant like, oh, what's the next thing? How do I continue to improve? And you're just constantly dissatisfied. Yeah, and you sort of realize, you recognize some of these like uh, conditioning in yourself. Yeah. Like this kind of like Western always need to grow and improve and expand kind of mentality. Right. And there's no sitting appreciation, gratitude. Yeah, even though we're like applying that mentality a little bit to like, ecosystem regeneration and planting trees and um you know it's still like wow just enjoying where you are and I yeah think, you know i think we can all i think the three definitely the three of us <laughs> we, can all stand to like improve it yeah no, yesterday was not. shad i was like yeah it kind of blew my mind we were, i was we were like kind of talking about our routines and he's like yeah you know i've just been like for years just like being able to like read in the morning and just, like sip on my coffee until like seven i was like whoa you you do that every morning he's like well not recently since i had a kid but like yeah i, w- I was i was like wait you shad mr like mr hyperactive just overachiever machine like yeah. like churning it out you do that every morning and you get you you find that you time for yourself and you yeah and well, that's actually a big thing that, that i've learned this year is that if you don't do any of that you're much more scattered and less productive when you are working right. but by starting the day with a little um even just a token gesture of, of control and and yeah, collection of space we, yeah, yeah we, 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 we talk about it all the time we talked about this and <laughs> we actually have a, there's a conversation about this in, a, in another podcast that we've had but yeah um but it's important it's it's very important that's the main thing that i've learned in my own routines this year is that if you start a little bit on your terms in a non-reactionary mode you yeah. tend to have a lot more focus and control when you are reacting to things yeah, and man. dealing with uncontrollable circumstances. My big one this year has been the guitar and it's actually been like, I just had this like aha moment when I was listening to Shad give uh, a lecture on water, uh, water on earthworks in the last PDC that we just did. And it was cool because I, I started playing the guitar about two years ago and just like, somewhat autistically as is my style like just couldn't got obsessed with it and like started practicing scales and learning music theory and all this thing and that's been my routine for the last couple of years actually um and i just like started getting to the point now where uh i can like really jam with people and like Mm -hmm. see what see what key they're in and like play along with it and kind of do solos and, and licks and stuff and you know, we were lucky with this PDC. We were teaching there was a lot of musicians, and so we would just like at the end of the classes every day, we would just take out the instruments and start to jam. You know, um, and I was listening to Shad in the lecture then talk about how good earthworks are about reharmonizing the landscape with water, and I realized that it's like, wow, music has so much to teach us in the sense because music is all about harmony, and and that's what harmonics actually are. You know, and like started to you know as i was as shad was like drawing up a fast flowing river turning into a meandering river i started to realize that's 
that's, waves. That's a wave. That's a harmonic wave. You yeah. know, and you get the same thing when two musical instruments are in harmony. You actually mind explosions. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I kind of realized this. Well, like, seeing trying. the resonance of these different concepts and so many reflections within the natural and uh, yeah. our curated environment that's yeah. why is, is really important to observe. That's why like the pattern lecture is so key because so it, it brings key. you right back into that idea. That and it infiltrates into so many concepts outside of just the direct applications that we're usually and putting them to. It's such a powerful idea for me that that we have we humans have this ability to to create harmony when we're like kind of like mindful and and, 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 and thinking mm. about what we're doing. You know that we can. Yeah. Like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, okay. We, and and that's why you know it feels so good. Whether it's like you know making music or or you know doing some well thought out earthworks that yeah that just create these harmonics and these interactions on on a landscape and that you at at that point now it's out of your control but in a good way and it just starts to flow. Yeah. You know, so you're really just. Um, to me, that's the most beautiful part of anything that you can create or design is when it takes over on its own. Yeah, if you've you, done a good job, you it, impose control and then you really push. Well, you give it the at that point, you're just a support. Yeah. You're just helping to coax it into fruition, give it the resources that it needs to completely outstrip and outperform anything that you could have imposed on it. Right. And I think that's the highest thing that you can hope to A lot of people don't let go to that's design their to. issue is yeah. they don't they don't find that switch. They don't switch. know when to let go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know I struggle with that in yeah, various aspects of life Absolutely. just you know outside of direct designing. Absolutely. That's when human um, sort of mentality in relationships and yeah, business and all sorts of things like yeah. relinquishing control is very difficult and just trusting that's what it takes that's the thing for me it's just like just trusting that I know it was funny I was talking to my father about this he's a my father's a, a psychotherapist and he used to have this like amazing uh, like um, aha moment he had when he planted a tree outside the office that he sees his patients in and you know, the tree started to like grow really well and just like grew up and is now this like beautiful tree that sits outside his office ten years later, it's an oak tree. Um, you know, and he had he had this realization, which I had I had, had the exact same one years before when I first started getting into permaculture, that you know, a tree doesn't need anyone to tell it to grow. It just it just grows and it blossoms and it turns into this beautiful thing. And we we aren't any different from that you know if we're kind of like put in the right sort of environment with the right interactions and kind of harmonics around us that our growth is actually just a, a thing that wants to happen mm -hmm. and, and in, a, in a, so in a lot of senses it's about for me just like getting out of of the way and letting the the kind of growth happen. Yeah, divine complexity. Mm -hmm. Just divine complexity. Stop forcing happens. it. Yeah. yeah. Don't try and force it. Trust it. Right. Of course, if it's not... So we talk about states of flow. If it's flow, not growing and it's not flowing... Then you impose control thing. again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the kind of... The dance for me. It applies to kind of self-care, to garden care, to, to farm management, to everything. Everything. Give everything its growth, its opportunity for growth. Mm. And, Yeah. Get the hell out of the way. I know, because yeah. you can keep replacing it, but you're like, oh, this just wasn't right in that spot, and right. I'm yep. going to do the whole thing over again. Like, yeah. All right, so I'm just not going to eat for longer now right. from my garden. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I right. mean, with gardening, it's a lot, I think, with permaculture, is just like growing, planting things that want to grow. <laughs> and a know, lot of like, them. And a lot of them. <laughs> right. In, 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 good, in good ratios. Well, this is how you and I are sort of on the opposite. Well, not, you know, too severe, but somewhat on the different ends of the spectrum. You just want to go in and throw things in and kind of react as they, as right. they develop. And I have a tendency to... Uh, stall on action for over planning and over organization. In the garden, we're over. Yeah, we should get you in. I want to see. I can't wait to get back in the garden. I want to see an Oliver garden. Yeah, we should actually. Not like that. Not that cheesy restaurant in Not Olive Garden. Oliver Garden would be way better. Well, if there's free breadsticks and soup, then you know I'll definitely. Sorry, I'll make sure I work on that. I can't wait to get that oven going, and we'll get back into to making bread. That's really another one. Yeah, because another. Gardening is gardening is great for that, you know. Another one of our sort of routines lately, I feel like, has been just. Well, I've done know, it a lot in the getting past. Getting into the garden at like sort of six or seven in the morning. I'll believe when I see it. Um, <laughs> I got 
The thing is, I actually take pictures of my work, so I can show you the gardens that I used to do. You guys don't have any pictures of your beautiful creations around town. No, That's no, what we got to work on. I'm just... For, yeah, they're gone. <laughs> they're There's gone. so many of them all over the place. Just planted seed everywhere and not, have no idea what's going on. <laughs> well, that'd be not, a, not a very... That's why it's so nice to have our own one, though. Yeah, it makes a huge space. difference. But yeah, it's, it's, I see, love that. Seasons. I love, like, early in the morning getting out and just, like, weeding, seeing an area that's, like, not doing that sweet, you know, like, taking stuff out, planting new things. We've got a nice system in the garden, though, with the, like with the seed boxes and the and the beds and it's just this like constant yeah interaction that's zone one kind of like that is yeah that is total zone one garden Mm -hmm. it's a very intimate relationship yeah constantly kind of like oh this plant we should probably just like harvest these couple of plants that are gonna go to seed and we don't need that seed and now we have like a little space to put in some more onions or chives or whatever and slowly just gets more diverse and it's a, it's actually beautiful practice to have uh, to have a garden. Yeah, it's the only thing that keeps a garden that like, has a setup. You it's know? probably the only thing that keeps me sane. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which is yeah, barely debatable barely as well. <laughs> we're all, we're all just hanging on by a thread. Well, hey, so let's start to wrap things up a little bit. But before we go, I really want to put out a message of gratitude to all the people who have supported and listened to this podcast over the second season. We've more than doubled the numbers of subscribers and listeners and it's been a big reason why we've been able to attract the sponsors and the support that we have but also to all of you who have written in who've contacted us directly and quite a few of you have actually come out to our courses and come out to volunteer as well um yeah which has been great we've got a guy here so grateful for that big ups to the crew uh, international crew yep Especially big in, ups to, to Chris. Uh, we're probably going to get him to sit in on one of these things. He, he can hear us now. Uh, he's been kicking ass. He, yeah, he listened to the podcast. Yeah, he, he came out and just said he wanted episode. to come and work an apprentice uh, with man. us, especially focusing on natural building this season, but yeah, has already like helped humbling. us start training our dog and worked in the garden <laughs> yeah, and, and assisted better, on courses. He's like a better carpenter, definitely, than me and Jer. Like, probably. Oh, man, I've been learning a lot I from think, him yeah, as well. He's got a lot it, of... But yeah, he's better than all of us. Glad you said No, 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 he's a great carpenter and it's like, been awesome having someone like him here and you know, and he's going to leave here and, and just go. Because I think I was saying this morning, the main thing Chris is going to learn from us is like, whoa, these three idiots can do all this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, we're not that impressive when you get to know us. No, not know, at all. Uh, so, but, uh, you know, it's like, it's cool having like energy. It's actually it's an honor having people. Uh, it is. An it honor. really just is. Any volunteer actually that comes here and wants to give their energy to this thing. It's like, wow, it's like so. Um, we all were volunteers at various places yeah, in our past, and did. this is why we, we understand just how much of a, an offering it is on their part. It's, it's an offering. It's, there's some, some elements of a karmic thing to it. You know, I think all of us put so much energy without asking for anything return into other people's land, and now that we're doing our own, we're, we're, getting, we're getting it paid back with, with so much interest. And, you know, it's really affirmative, I think, for me to see so many young people coming here that don't have this attitude that I think infects a little bit our, our culture, which is like, what's in it for me? Right. You know, and are just coming like with an, with an attitude of giving. And of course, when they do that, it, it motivates us to want to like share our knowledge. To match that contribution at least, if not exceed. Or yeah, like maintain that same sentiment. Like, this absolutely. Is, this is giving a giving back, thing. You know, and it, it really does create that kind of like sort of giving ethos and culture to where we started for where we tried to where we where we started off yeah and it's the only reason that we know half of the things that we do now is for the generosity of the mentors and the instructors who have guided us along the way i know that's been my case for sure definitely me as well um and yeah i guess now we're trying to step into that role of being being mentors uh, and I always, it's an adjustment. <laughs> it's an adjustment. I, I can never. There's always like an element in my in the back of my mind of like I can't believe. I feel like a fraud sometimes. Oh yeah, uh, that imposter syndrome imposter is syndrome. runs deep. Yeah, you know it's like that. But you'd sort of realize that never goes away. And part of the the challenge is like sort of overcoming it and stepping into your... And using it as a reminder of humility so that you always stay in not only just a a humble mindset, but in a learner's mindset as well. And I've learned so much from the people who have come to learn and work with us 
that they don't even realize that they taught us in the right. process. Yeah, for sure. Well, along those lines, let's wrap things up a little bit. Um, we're just in between Christmas and New Year's here, so I, I wish everybody out there. <laughs> I, I wish uh, I wish everybody a really wonderful holiday season and a new year. We'll be coming back on the air after a little hiatus in between the seasons on February 1st. And we're definitely going to be continuing on with the Regenerative Roundtable series because this has been one of the features that we've gotten the most feedback on. Oh, and people love it. <laughs> people love the three stooges yeah the three stooges of regenerative actually development. i don't know if they love it or not I, I never i never hear any feedback but well that's because you don't get any <laughs> i'm having a good time with it yeah i enjoy talking this is you know yeah, i think it's I been it's... kind of therapeutic for us as well once a month kind of coming in and re uh hashing some of the projects and going over the the advancements and, and screw-ups that we've had in the month prior yeah i um, hope you're i hope i really hope people are enjoying this and yes yeah. yep um, and, and if you're not tell us how to get better or <laughs> please yeah or you um, know um, send I'll, all your hate mail to feedback yeah send really all your hate just... mail to neil haggerty yeah <laughs> the wingman the chapoos yeah <laughs> all right that's it let's let's wrap let's really wrap this up and let yeah and if you have any suggestions i'm open to uh, all sorts of ideas and any topics or people that you'd like to hear from in, within interviews in the next season any information that you'd like us to cover just email us at info at abundantedge.com and i will do my best to accommodate that in the next season so thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you in the new year adios guys thanks for listening bye so thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode as always you can find all the show notes for this and all other episodes at abundantedge.com by clicking on the podcast tab in the navigation bar On the website, you can also find a whole range of educational articles as well as the services we offer from design and consulting to education. While you're there, don't forget to take a look at the courses and workshops that we offer, which are all designed to empower you to take back control of your life by giving you the skills to produce your own food, manage landscapes regeneratively, build your own homes and structures with natural materials, and most importantly, to dream ever bigger about the highest potential that you could achieve for yourself, your community, and the planet that we all share. Thank you sincerely to all of you who have and continue to add comments and send feedback to me. Your contributions help this to be the conversation and dialogue that it's meant to be. For anyone else interested, you can email me and the whole team directly at info at or you can post your questions directly to the Abundant Edge podcast Facebook page, to which there's a link in the show notes of this episode. All of your feedback makes these episodes and interviews so much more engaging and help me to give you the information and content that you want. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you again in next week's session.